Growing up as a child, I was, in some sense, born into a choir. Both my parents were very active in the church choir. And so I grew up literally hearing music and church music constantly. But I remember one day talking to my dad, and we were talking about music. And I was reflecting on the fact of the complexity of four-part music. And he shared with me that as he practiced and participated in the choir, he really never understood four-part music. Why do you need four parts, and why does that really even matter? Because if you look and listen to the individual parts, there's nothing to that hymn. There's nothing to those parts. But when you put them all together, if it's done well, it sounds beautiful. If it's done poorly, it sounds like a train wreck. So then what is the issue with four-part music? Most people don't have an ear when they listen to four-part music because we're so trained even in our modern music just to hear the melody and that's it. But in four-part music, it's this conversation that goes on, this echoing, this back and forth, this adding, this flourishing, this kind of multi-layered cake that comes out of four-part music. And so you, as a listener, you have to begin to train yourself, work at listening to all the parts, admiring the beauty, the complexity, and the complementarity that comes from four-part music. And so it's not easy to do, but when you master that or when you're able to sit back and enjoy it, you begin to see the intricacies, the complexities, and the beauty behind it. I bring that up today because if we listen to our gospel reading, Simeon lives a life of prayer. But one of the challenging things about prayer is it's very complex in what it does in our life. Just like you know, melody lines in music, we want it to be enjoyed immediately. I pray, therefore I get a response. I pray, therefore I expect something from God. I listen to music and I expect to enjoy it immediately. I expect it to give me this emotional experience I have and therefore I am praying well. Or therefore, I'm praying as I'm supposed to. But yet, we give a different image here with Simeon. An elderly man who's dedicated his life to the work of the temple. And has been praying constantly all through his life. And his one hope and dream was to see the Messiah before he dies. So imagine spending your whole life praying for that one thing to come. That I may see the Messiah with my own eyes and see the salvation of the world. There is no consolation. There is no excitement and joy every day. It's not easy when there's no immediate response to our prayer. But we forget that prayer has its multi-level and multi-complexity in it. Because in praying, we hear the movement of the Holy Spirit, that final sprinkle on the multi-layered cake that changes our hearts, changes our minds, and pushes us and moves us in different directions. Very much like a complex chess game. 
We're never going to know how that chess piece works. But we know at the end, if we follow the movement of our prayer, then we're going to win that chess match. One of the challenges about prayer, though, is how do we allow the Holy Spirit, like Simeon today, to move us to where we're supposed to be and where we're supposed to go? We hear in our first reading also the complexity of the commandments. I think in our prayer life, we have to begin somewhere. And that somewhere begins with the commandments. The most basic foundation of our life. Because the commandments are seen as rules. Thou shall not. I shall not do this. I shall not do that. But in some sense, if we flip it on its side and look at it positively, for example, I shall respect and honor my parents. Isn't that an honorable and noble thing to do? I shall not take something that does not belong to me. Or I shall respect other people's possessions. I shall love others the way I want to be loved. These guideposts and commandments allow us to, more enter, to enter deeply into the mysteries of our faith. To enter deeply into our journey as Christians. And most importantly, to enter into and being more attuned to how the Holy Spirit moves in our life. Because those commandments allow us to see Christ in and through others. If I can't see myself, God, in and through the person sitting in front of me, how am I supposed to enjoy the four-part music? How am I supposed to enjoy and figure out where the Holy Spirit is leading me? Or even worse, how do I even know who the Holy Spirit is and how the Holy Spirit is moving me in my life if I am not aware of that? It begins somewhere, my dear brothers and sisters. It begins with the Ten Commandments. It then bleeds into our prayer life. It then transforms and changes our life forever. So my dear brothers and sisters, as we continue our Christmas season, the season of joy, Jesus came 2,000 years ago. We're still waiting for his coming in glory. Are we going to miss Jesus is coming in his glory just like everyone else did during his time? Or are we going to spend our days, our time here on earth working at the Ten Commandments, living a life of prayer, being transformed by that life of prayer so that we're not going to miss his second coming in glory. So let us take the time this Christmas season to devote ourselves to the Ten Commandments, to devote ourselves in the time of prayer so that we can be attuned and attentive to the working of the Holy Spirit to be attentive in tune to when our Lord is coming in glory. Amen.